From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for a Monday, August 28th, the year 2017. Seventy degrees, sunny skies. As we near the start of the NFL season, also at the end of the first playoff event in the FedEx Cup playoffs, won by Dustin Johnson in the playoff over Jordan Spieth that featured uh, one heck of a uh, finish. Jordan gave him the opening after hitting it in the water on six. And Jordan um, battled back, made that insane up and down on 17 when he had to. And Dustin capitalized by the birdies, the great up and down on 17, the sensational decision to lay up on 18, the great wedge shot and the putt that he drained going in the side door to the back door. And then ultimately uh, winning in a playoff after just driving at 341, hitting a mammoth drive, and um, finishing, um, you know, hitting it to three feet seven inches and making the putt. That is as good as you could ask for to start the um, FedEx Cup playoffs, and that is as good as um, the PGA Tour could hope for and NBC as they take this over now from Golf Channel going into the rest of the week. So, uh, sorry, the rest of the playoffs. So that's uh, basically what any fan wanted, and they got it. And we go on uh, from here um, as the FedEx Cup playoffs near their completion uh, this season. And now we uh, welcome in to talk fantasy football. It's that time of year where people start wondering, if their teams, uh, if their fake teams, their fantasy teams can uh, get them what everybody else in the real NFL wants, which is a trophy, and we welcome in the newest contributor to the NFL, uh, sorry, to, to Teen Up Presents the Sunday Sprint, Mr. Danny Flecka, who will be talking fantasy with us um, on Sundays during the NFL season. Good evening, sir. Good evening. How would you assess? the fantasy football landscape at the moment. Because um, if you look at some teams, uh, some uh, uh, some actual teams this is, there's, uh, there's this kind of transitional stage, I think, where you know we've got some teams with quarterback issues. We've got a team like the Jets that has probably one fantasy player of interest on offense in Bilal Powell. Um, you've got new and you know upcoming guys. You've got some suspensions. Look at Ezekiel Elliott. Um how would you assess the fantasy landscape? I think the most important thing to take into consideration is that it is the preseason, so people that are doing well or not playing, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, offenses and defenses usually like to keep things pretty vanilla. Uh, if you're a known commodity in the NFL, you know, that's what I would be looking for. Those players that year in and year out have produced yeah, there might be some changes here and there with some of their schemes, but, you know, take into consideration that most of the time in the preseason you're looking for players to fill in the depth in your roster. So these players that are going off here and there, while it's, you know, they're nice stories now, chances of most of them contributing down the road for their teams, you know, significantly and for fantasy teams are 
probably slim to none. So it's just important to take a look and see, you know, which of those players have advantageous situations and which of those players are set up for the long haul. So, you know, I don't look too much into, into preseason except that, you know, injuries happen and the third preseason game is over and most of these starters aren't going to even sniff the field come Thursday. Um, by the way, uh, you know, talking about starters sniffing the field, did you see that the Bills have signed Keith Wenning with two of their quarterbacks having concussions? I've never heard of Keith Wenning. I like to think that I'm a guy who knows most quarterbacks on, on, on NFL rosters. I've never heard of this gentleman. He's just there to fill up some snaps for them. You know, they're realistically not going to even keep him on their practice squad at the end of the day, but... You're at that time of the preseason where if you have a player that's even slightly nicked up, you know, there's no point in running them out there. So, um, you know, these players that you're seeing on Thursday uh, are fighting for their careers, but at the end of the day, you know, it's better, you know, I hate to say it, it's better to put them out there than players that you've invested a lot of time and money into. Um, all right, so let's get into this. By the way, just, just, because I'm curious and I'm not a fantasy player, who is the number one overall ranked fantasy player in most sites for most leagues? It's a flip-flop between you know, David Johnson, I think, this year, and Le'Veon Bell. Um, last year, the, the number one picks were wide receivers, um, you know, because of the, the way the league's been going. But when you have a, a back like David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, if you're in PPR leagues that are getting points or catches, um, you know, those are the two top players right now that, you know, realistically, you know, if everything goes right for them, could be looking at 2,000 all-purpose yards uh, for the year, and that's uh, going to rank you at the top or near the top of uh, all fantasy players. Um, and do you think that's the Ezekiel Elliott um, impact here, where, where running backs are back in vogue suddenly to some respects? I think you can look at that and, and say that it, it might have sparked some of the debate as to you know whether or not to take a running back or a wide receiver with your first pick. But when you look at Ezekiel Elliott, look at all the things that he has going for him that a lot of other running backs don't. It's a number one offensive line in the NFL. Um, you know, he, they made Darren McFadden a thousand yard rusher before that. Demarco Murray was a thousand yard rusher, had his best season of his career. So. Well, I think, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is a, a talent, talented individual. Uh, you got to look at his situation and say that he had a lot going for him to be successful in his rookie year. Uh, speaking of Le'Veon Bell, uh, he has decided to do the old I'm going to continue my summer uh, routine and not come to camp and says he'll be in camp September 1st, um, which is um, Friday. And that's when he'll report. Do you, from a fantasy perspective, are, are, or should people be concerned that this, uh, that he has not been in camp, has not gotten any reps, has not played in any preseason games, etc.? I, I wouldn't look too much into that if I'm uh, looking to take Le'Veon Bell. He's uh, had a history, whether for good or for bad, of not starting the season off with the team, whether he was suspended or, or hurt. Um, he's shown that when he does come in, he, you know, he's ready to play. The offensive coordinator is still the same. Uh, you saw Big Ben, you saw Antonio Brown there. So not a whole lot 
realistically changes, I think, from a, a playbook standpoint. So all it is just, you know, making sure that you're on the same page as everybody, that you're in, in shape. And, you know, these, most of these players do, do their best to stay in that shape. So I don't think there's too much of a concern for Le'Veon Bell missing, you know, training camp. Talking with the newest contributor to the Sunday Sprint, Danny Flecka, about fantasy football. All right. Sleepers and people to avoid as you have gone through your process of getting your teams ready. What's uh, What are your thoughts on the moment in, in those categories? So, you know, it's always people to avoid. It's not to avoid because they're, they're not good or, or anything like that. It's just their draft positioning, you know, doing a couple of mock drafts and seeing how people are rating players. Uh, you know, a popular one is Rob Gronkowski, but, you know, I think do, things do change a little bit with uh, the Edelman injury. You know, people are taking him high in the second round. Um, tight end is, is a shallow position, but when you're looking at, at making your roster, um, there are better picks that you can make early in that in that position, whether it be, you know, a Jay Ajayi if he's still around or a Jordy Nelson. Um, that should be taken in that spot, you know. Gronkowski is the number one tight end, but he does have injury history, and taking him that early, you really are banking on him contributing for a full 16 games, which I believe he's only done once since he's entered the league. Um, It's interesting um, when you look at um, the Edelman injury. Because here's a guy who's been hurt. Here's a guy who's had tough luck. And here's a quarterback in Tom Brady who's made, you know, guys like Kimbrell Tompkins successful. He's now in the Jets. Um, but go, just go down the list of people he's made effective. Do you think at some point one of these injuries becomes too much for the Patriots and, 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 and you have to change the way you look at all Patriot players in, from a fantasy perspective? I think that, if anything, the Edelman injury does boost a lot of these players into categories where before Friday night you weren't necessarily thinking of them that way. I think that the running backs get a big boost um, where you had a guy like Rex Burkhead or Deion Lewis worrying about maybe splitting carries. They might be utilized more in, in the passing game. Um, Chris Hogan and, and Brandon Cook um, definitely get elevated just because of the skill set that they bring to the table. Um, the one thing about the Patriots is that a lot of their players are redundant which is what they like. They like to plug in players that are versatile. And now you kind of, I think if you're, um, Josh McDaniels have to start carving out specific roles for people. So I look at a guy like Mike Gillespie, who people were talking about maybe he's going to be in a, in a timeshare at running back. He, he might see between 200 and 250 touches now just in the running game while they utilize guys like Rex Burkhead and Deion Lewis more in there. Uh, screen game and intermediate uh, passing routes that you know they may have been utilizing for Edelman uh, before. Uh, who else should people be watching out for as sleepers fantasy wise? So for sleepers, I mean, you know, most of these names have been talked about, but uh, you know, one guy I'm I'm really high on this year is Marcus Mariota. I think that the Titans did a lot to address their skill players. Um, they have. A deep wide receiving core, you know, knock on wood, no one gets hurt before the start of the season. You know, Eric Decker is definitely going to help out in the red zone. Uh, Delaney Walker is very underrated. You also have two good running backs there that, that help out in the passing game. And Mariota has been the most efficient red zone quarter, uh, quarterback since he's entered the league. So um, 
And so I wouldn't think he could rush, you know, 400, 600 yards if they let him do that. So I think he might be one of the top fantasy quarterbacks that, that you can get in the sixth round if, if the draft falls the way that you're looking for the fall. Do you think his injury will, will, will change the way he runs and how he chooses to run? Because so often with quarterbacks, look at Cam Newton, they get scared and they change the way they have to play after that, or RG3 for that matter. I don't think so. I think the injury was on a sack, so you can't say it's because he got pounded in the running game. I think that you know, it was a fluke injury, very similar to David Carr's um, you know, earlier, I mean, late in the season, you know, just blindside guy comes and falls on your ankle. There's not really much you can do about that if you're a quarterback. Uh, and Mariota does a good job of running and, and picking his spots. So I think that the running game, you know, you, you might rush for, you know, some games where he rushes for 60 yards and some where he runs for none. But I think that, you know, it doesn't really change the way he's going to uh, attack defenses if given the opportunity to scramble out and make a play. Anybody else fantasy players should be looking to avoid? Avoid. I think that if, if I'm, I'm, I'm drafting, you know, mid-round, you know, you're looking for a running back situation, and I think the Jeremy Hill in Cincinnati, somebody I'm not too high on. You know, they have Joe Mixon, which has, has been talked up a lot this preseason. They also have Gio Bernard there. So I think that's a, a guy I'm not too high on. I also think Jarvis Landry takes a hit. In Miami with, with Jay Cutler, uh, he's been a, a PPR machine since he's entered the league. I think 200, almost 280 catches, but Jay Cutler likes to throw the deep ball. He likes to throw the bigger wide receivers, and Jarvis Landry, unfortunately, doesn't fit that type of receiver that uh, Cutler has had success with in the past. Talking to Danny Flecka about fantasy. Um, injury and suspension replacements. Let's start in, in with the Zeke. If you draft Zeke, who else should you have on your team to replace him for those uh, four games? Or, or, sorry, six games. The popular choice is Derek McFadden, and, and for a number of reasons. He can catch the ball. He, he, has, he knows the offense. He's run you know behind that line in the past and has some success, so... Derek Gunn is definitely someone I would, I would hate if I am, uh, you know, taking Ezekiel Elliott. Um, because Rodgers in Tampa Bay is another one, I, I would take if I'm, uh, you know, looking to draft Doug Martin. Uh, you know, he filled in last year and did pretty well. Uh, so he's going to get a bulk of the work. Well, you know, weeks one through three. Uh, but I wouldn't reach for him too much. You know, it's only three weeks to the season, and he's not going to get much more time unless Doug Martin gets hurt again. Talking to Danny Flecka about fantasy football. Anybody else? Injury, suspensions, um, guys you should be looking that that could see increased roles that could be good fantasy players? I think, you know, we, we don't know a lot about Odell Beckham, but, you know, if, if he does miss time, you know, Sterling Shepard, a lot of people are down him this year. I still think that, you know, he can have a really good year. It might not always translate into fantasy points, but I think that he's someone that, um, Eli likes to throw too. He runs you know, the shorter route, so he should get targeted a bunch of Odell's out. Um, trying to think of uh, other people, uh, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, you don't want anything to do with anybody in uh, Indy. You know, if Colt if walks missing time, you know, don't bother with Tolzien or, or anybody, you know, on that roster for, for QB play. Let me stop you right there for a second. I'm not sure if you saw this. Did you see what Chuck Pagano said today in regards to um, 
to uh, Locke? I know they've all been very vague on his status, and you know that concerns me. If I'm if I'm drafting, you know, if, if you're in a keeper league and you have the opportunity to take him late and looking look towards next year, absolutely pull the trigger. You're going to get contributions from him at some point this year. Then you set yourself up pretty nicely for next year. But to, to go on him, you know, the fifth, sixth, or seventh round where you don't know exactly what you're going to be getting, you know, from him, I think that's a bad bet. You want to take somebody else like a like a Carr or Winston or, or Mariota that you know. You know, from week one, you're going to be getting contributions from. Here's, um, you actually took that a whole different direction than I wasn't even thinking you would, but that's fine. I I just want to read this to you and for all the listeners out there, because this is just hilarious. Question, uh, uh, do you have to prepare under the idea Scott Tolzien is your starting quarterback? Uh, that's a great question. You guys are trying to find a way to get to the end result here. Almost got me. Do you know the end result and you're just keeping it from us? I don't know. There's no timetable. But there is. There's a game. As long as, as, long as we've got Scott and Steven and Philip. But, but when Andrew throws behind closed doors, how does he look? I'm never there to see. So I couldn't tell you. Most of the time he's either in the training room or we're in meetings and you know doing such. Just kind of stayed in my lane. Would you say the odds are slim that Andrew Luck isn't out there for week one? I'm not a bookie, I'm not an odds maker, and I'm not allowed to put numbers on it. But you're a realist, you're a football coach, you deal with what you can say and prove today. These are the guys you have. And, and Chuck Pagano answered, we're moving forward with who we have on the football team right now and who's practicing. Jeez! Hey, football coaches always looking for a competitive advantage. In my mind, you're not getting one here. I mean, everyone knows the extent of the injury. The more you stay quiet on it, the more fishy it gets. It's almost better from a PR standpoint to just come out and say, you know, he's not playing week one. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to prepare anyway, so that's what happens. But, you know, you're kind of taking it to a and he's lucky he even has the job to begin with, so. I think that this, you know, mom is the word type of approach from them and the GM and the owner. No one's on the same page. No one knows what's going on. And there's a reason why they haven't made the playoffs the last couple of years. Talking to Danny Flecka about fantasy football and now football and sports in general. Right now, your Super Bowl um, winner is? I think It's interesting. I, I, I obviously saw the Giants in person uh, Saturday night. That defense um, is going to be really good. And if Odell behaves and gets healthy, Marshall's a nice addition. 
If Eli makes smart decisions, and how often have you and I talked about Eli Manning making smart decisions? If he does that, I believe we have a true um, team that can win a Super Bowl in the Giants. Um, I, I, I really think that uh, the pieces are there. The question becomes... Um, and, and, and frankly, I think it's up to Eli. I think that, that this comes down to his decision-making. They have, you know, in my years, obviously I've been following the Giants for a long time. This probably is their best roster, even better than the ones they went to the Super Bowl with. I think a lot of it comes down to health. you got to stay healthy throughout the year or at least, you know, not lose players for big chunks of time. Uh, their whole line needs to do something. They, they haven't done much the last couple of years. They need to do something to get a run game going. Eli has been best with play action, and he hasn't had it the last couple of years, and I think that's why we saw him struggle a, a lot last year. Is, you know, they were pat, they were in obvious pass formations. Uh, they weren't able to use the play action to their advantage, and they relied too much on the big play from, from Odell. And you got to think that teams are going to take that away this year, and maybe that opens up some running lanes. Maybe Brandon Marshall uh, on the other side opens up some things, you know, deeper down the field. But if their O-line doesn't do anything to improve on, on what they've shown so far this preseason and from last year, then it's going to be tough for them to, to get to that 10-win, 11-win mark that you're going to need to get to the playoffs. Um, let's end it on a couple things, um, some of which have fantasy connections. Roberto Aguayo um, may be one of the bigger draft flops of this decade if he can't make it again in the league after the second round pick by Tampa. They traded up the whole nine yards, the best kicker in college football history. Um, A, how shocked were you to see him flop? And B, who is the best fantasy kicker this year? Um, I'm not shocked kicking, you know, from the college ranks, it isn't really a point of emphasis for those teams to begin with. So, I mean, yeah, I watch college football enough to know that, like, when teams are attempting a 40-yard field goal, there's a 50-50 shot that ball's going through the upright. So, granted, he was, like you said, the best kicker in college football history, but, you know, the, the stock that they put on him and the pressure that the second-round pick is a kicker, you know, these players, most of them aren't even drafted. So, was I surprised? Yeah, but... It, it serves them to have wasted that pick and have to release them. I mean, it was kind of a dumb move on their part. Um, but from a fancy perspective, I mean, kickers are usually the last pick of the draft if people draft them at all. You know, safe bets are always going to be guys like Gus Towski, even a Terry, that you know are going to make 90% of their field goals. Someone out there that you might not think of, Ryan Suckup on uh, Tennessee, is actually a pretty good field goal kicker from a fancy perspective. Um, he had a, a good year last year, but, you know, with kickers, you never know. They're, they're like closers in baseball. You just got to, you know, take a shot with one of them. Maybe one sticks around your roster, but they're expendable at the end of the day. Uh, and final thing, the Yankees get Greg Bird back tonight playing first base. This team has struggled lately. It's been inconsistent. Some days great, some days atrocious. Pitching has been inconsistent. Aaron Judge is struggling. Where do you think this Yankee team uh, shakes itself out come the end of the year? Well, they got a big week this week. And, yeah. and I've been saying to people that are, are fans and you know, living here in Boston, you know, if the Yankees can get Boston in New York this weekend with a, a shot to take over first place with a good, a good series, then I think that they're, I think they can win the division. If they are 
still chasing him after Labor Day, it's going to be tough because, you know, Boston has a bit of an easier schedule and the Yankees are going to try to expend a lot of energy to try to just catch them. So I think if they can leave Labor Day with a tie at first or a one-game lead, whatever it might be, just to put a little more pressure on Boston, I think that they have a good shot at winning the division. If they don't, then they just focus on... Uh, Winning that wild card spot, hoping they get a favorable matchup, you know, in that one game playoff. You know, there's a bunch of teams fighting for that second spot, but if you can wrap that up mid-September, knowing you have a five or six game lead, then you know, do that. Otherwise, if the vision's in sight, then go for it. That way, you can avoid, you know, wasting your start, your best pitcher in a one game playoff and going to a series possibly without seeing a guy like Severino. Or, or to knock until game three or four. Dan Bailey is another kicker, by the way, who I think could have a really good year if the Cowboys are any good, although you think they're going to take a step back. Um, yeah, Severino's been the Yankee best, uh, uh, Yankees' best pitcher, and you do not want to end up in a one-game playoff. Um, Danny, welcome to the Teeing It Up family. Oh, thanks for having me. It, it isn't, you know, you've been welcomed into a family today. That automatically makes today a great day, doesn't it? I have to say it does. Uh, that's Danny Flecker. Thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. It's only a week away. Football season's here. Enjoy the Dell Technologies Championship up there in Boston this week, and we'll see you next week right here on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Good night.